is that a Star Wars tattoo? And I'm like, actually, it's an Ewok rendering of my French bulldog. Okay, let's get on the same page with this. <laughs> Welcome to Marketers Talking Marketing, the podcast where marketers come together to talk marketing. Today, we have a guest, Ellen, and before I turn it over her to introduce herself, I want to just give a little a little disclaimer. If you have ever felt like you can't be your true self at work, this is the this is the episode for you. Hit download so it doesn't cut out. Like this is this is for you. We we are here to talk to you today. Ellen, tell Yay. the listeners at home a little bit about yourself. Well, hi. It's awesome to be here and thanks for chatting with me. I am a sort of accidental career marketer, fell into SaaS marketing um, when I moved to London back in 2015 and needed any job. Um, before that, I'd been in nonprofits. Um, and so this has been kind of a wild ride since then. Turns out I am love some demand and work. Uh, love me a good webinar. Love me a good podcast and everything that might do to help you market your space. So it's exciting to be here. And I am passionate about being authentic because yes. uh, I don't I don't know if you're using the video clips for this or not, but I am. Um, my hair, okay. So. <laughs> um, my Surprise. hair is often even more pink than this. It's a nice pastel right now, but it's frequently very vibrantly pink. I think that I'm hilarious, even though my sense of humor doesn't always match up what might be in the in the uh, main sense of uh, whatever's going on right now. So I really started leaning into what felt good for me. And I've realized that that's really served me in my career, even though it doesn't feel like it fits the mold of that quote unquote professional. I love it. I relate to that so heavily. I spent a lot of time trying to fit into what was considered an executive in corporate America. And really, I think even in the startup space, there's a vibe that your executive leadership team has with it. You know, I spent most yeah. of my career in venture-backed startups, but there's definitely a vibe to it. And I, I think it was probably 2021-ish. I just hit a point where I was like, I am so sick of not being myself. You know, I would, I would wear uh, certain attire to fit in more professionally. I always wanted to just like get blasted with tattoos. And I, I didn't, I wasn't, or and I did actually, I've had quite a few tattoos for um, a long time. I got my first one when I was 14, that's a different story. But I would always oh. put them in spots where like they weren't visible. I'd always wear clothes right. that would hide them. Like I, I behaved in a certain way. I talked in a certain way because I wanted to fit in and be seen as professional. And then I didn't get the promotion that I was going for. And I just said, fuck it. And I went back to like shave sides, which I have, which people often can't tell because my hair is pretty thick anyways. But Went back to shave sides, got a bunch. I'll put in some pictures of my Star Wars tattoo collection. Yay! But I was like, I'm so sick of this. And it felt so liberating to just... Yes. And what I... I went to my first work conference in what I felt was just like me. Tattoos visible, being... Someone said I was like the coolest person they've seen. I think that's really weird. I'm just being myself. Um, hey, but, but no that's, one... I think that's the beauty of yeah. it. And did you just like suddenly feel like you unlocked a different level? Yes. I, it's being in vibe and I was so worried people would judge me and yeah. it was all positive judgments. No one was like, oh my God, like you have is is that a Star Wars tattoo? And I'm like, actually it's an Ewok rendering of my French bulldog. Okay. Let's get on the same page with this. 
that's incredible. Which was, yeah, I, I, spent, <laughs> I spent so long trying to fit into this mold of someone else. Yeah. And yeah, it was so liberating to just like, just be me. Well, it's exhausting. Yeah, it's exhausting so to, because that takes up, what I realize is it takes up so much of your brain space that is really should be dedicated to doing what you love and doing it well. So like if I'm, I don't wear a ton of makeup either. So it's like, it's just one of the things that I realized, like I, if I'm going to be worrying about this, that's taking up space in my brain for something that I'd rather be improving or doing well, or like taking the time to think about my next project and how does that all fit together instead of like just worry, worry, worrying that I'm not going to do my makeup right for the next thing because oh someone and is going to tell me. don't have to worry about that. And, Men don't have to worry yeah. about that. They oh, just, just they wear but, they can wear the same freaking pair of pants all they, week long. Yeah. Have you yeah. seen where the dudes will wear the same shirt for like for day after day after day to see how long it takes someone to notice? It's like no. it's a fitness move. Yeah. I'll see if I can find there was like some oh, newscaster yeah. on like a local news channel yeah. who was like because his co-host, his uh, co-anchor, was getting all kinds of flack about she wore she wore the wrong color. She wore the wrong fit. She wore yeah. the whatever. And so he was like, let's just run this experiment. Yeah. And he wore the same exact thing for, I want to say, weeks, if not months. Like, it's it was ridiculous. Interesting, because I actually wore the same outfit every day um, for about probably like eight or nine months. I had a, I, it was like 2014, okay? And, you know, the story had come out that Zuckerberg wears the same outfit. So I just have to think about it. I was like, that is a great idea. And so at the time, I ran like a really weird life schedule. So I'd work because uh, I was supporting international team. So I'd work like 6 a.m. to like 9 a.m., go to the gym from like 10 to 1, and then work like 2 to 6, go eat dinner, and then work like 8 to 10. And so I also did laundry at the gym. They offered laundry service. I was in New York City at the time. It's bougie. It's an oh, Equinox. Damn. And so I had the same outfit. And so I would literally just wear the same thing and wear like... It was like leggings and like the same type of shirt. Uh, I had actually a variation too that was like jeans and a, and a proper shirt that I would wear for business meetings. And I had them in my my little drawer at the office. So if I had to switch into business clothes, they were there. But it was the same thing. I would get up, I would put them on, I would go to work, I would go to the gym and I would work out in them. And then afterwards, I would put them in the laundry and then I would get my fresh ones and I would wear those that evening and then, you know, go to bed and then put them on when I got up. So I was like recycling the, and I didn't have to think about it. I looked exactly. I looked the same in every picture. <laughs> I didn't have to do anything. Continuity. It was yeah. so nice not to have to think about it. I think as women, and now we're getting into like a very related topic, but as women, we are judged so much more with what we're wearing, if it fits well, if it's put together. If you, I also rarely wear makeup. And when I first started not wearing makeup, when I would wear it all the time, be like, are you okay? You look sick. I'm like, this is the natural pigmentation of my skin. Yeah. So, so my thanks, cheeks, buddy. Right. No kidding. Thank you so much for noticing. Yeah. But my cheeks me a flare. Complex. Right. My cheeks flare up really red, like after kind of like hosting something for hours. So like once the adrenaline kind of wears off, my yeah. cheeks will flare up really red. I would try so hard to like wear enough foundation to make that not happen on camera. And I realized it was exasperating the issue. So it's kind oh, of like yeah. I had to learn to that it's going to happen because, of course, at first it was like it would I would feel myself flush, which would then make me flush more because I'm now like panicking about my red cheeks. 
And, and then it just all gets worse and you snowball. Yeah. Well, and yeah. like, and then I would try to cake it on and then I'm just hot and like uh, uncomfortable. Yeah. And so it's like, I finally was just like, this isn't fun for me. This isn't helping. I just need to lean in and know that I'm going to have red cheeks. And then it was like, oh, this is just my face. Like, why am I fighting so hard against my face? Yeah. So, now, now we're just, not saying don't, don't like wear it. makeup. If it makes you feel better, it's if you like I it, do know. it for you. But yeah, like, don't I'm feel like you have to. I'm wearing like mascara and stuff, but it's like yeah. I put on like exactly what I want to put on my face and on my body and I go on about my day and I just don't think about it anymore. I, I had a wedding the other weekend in New York City. Uh, one of my old employees got married, a uh, future podcast guest, I'm sure. And I got my lashes done. I got nails on and I felt so good because I was going to the wedding. I was dressing fancy and I did that because I like I felt good with it. And then, yeah, as soon as I got home, I was like, these are I was actually rubbing my eye and I like caught a lash and like pulled one out. And I was like, never doing it again. Never doing it. <laughs> done. Done. Yeah. Never doing yeah. it with it. Mm -mm. So. But yeah. do you find that you end up because I, I I'm saying this because I've I've ran into it and I'm I know I'm not unique or special. Do you find in the workforce that you have you seen other people where you can see that they're struggling with wanting to just show up as themselves, but they you can tell that they're kind of fighting with it? Yeah, I have. And I try as best I can to say not to like be overt and say, I you look like you're struggling. But to just kind of like drop in a conversation about how I kind of worked my way through this, too, because it's not like it happened overnight. It was a process. But um, one of my proudest moments from my previous job was actually I was hosting these um, sessions, these just like kind of closed door ish, like small sessions. And someone came on who was going through that and they were able to just say, you with your crazy pink hair, not like being this professional and hosting these things and like your company is entrusting you with this particular program because or like even though you've got this pink hair and you're like I'm not trying to like use my NPR voice and post this with such as like I'm being myself while I'm on these calls and that person was like this is great for me to see because they yeah. were finding their their way and they were feeling like it's a lot more like that than it is for like the calm professional and I'll say, too, though, it's like this should go either way to where if you are a calm person, I'm a big personality and I fully admit that. And that's how like I'm, I like to be bubbly and I like to be like all over the place. If the opposite's true for you, lean into that. Like one of my best coworkers was the like my opposite to where she's she is an introvert. She wanted to be calm. She's just like. We would tease her because you could never read her face. And it's like, are you mad at us? Do you like what we just said? And she's like, I'm just thinking about it. But that meant that, like, we learned who she is. She didn't have to be performative in her day. She's a lot happier. She's a lot more, like, she's not exhausted by the end if she's been on meetings after meetings. Well, she is, but we all are. But you know what I'm saying. So it's just like, like I said, I think I said earlier, it is exhausting to try to be someone you are not. And you are at your job a lot. I think one of the greatest gifts that we can give others is letting them be their true selves and just accepting them and loving them for that. I saw a Facebook uh, video reel. I, it was probably originally from TikTok, shared on Instagram, and then Instagram forces you to share on other platforms. But it was a celebrity, and they're saying that 
uh, the greatest compliment I get is people say that they feel like they can be themselves and comfortable around me and that they love being around me, but really they love being themselves and they can be themselves with me. And I was like, that is so moving. It is. Yeah. And this is going to sound really cliche, but I do think that's something that's going to save the world. The more that we can let people just be whoever they are and not feel like they need to hide or change or be ashamed or any of these things, the better, like the better we will all be. And that's just, um, I think I see a lot of progress, but I've also started doing a lot of work to recognize my echo chambers. And so I do know that it's not the way that my immediate like circles progress, that there's still tons of work to be done here. But I think about that even just as a parent, like of a toddler who is learning how to express himself. It's like my generation, I love my my parents are great. Everything's great. Blah, 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 blah. Yeah. A lot of people in our generations, there's like, we're, we're not blessed with that growing up like you felt like you had to do certain things for your parents or to please or to whatever which affects you all the way down a girlfriend and i were talking about this it's like we had great childhoods and we're still going to therapy so think of it if you didn't have a great like there's just a lot of ripple effects if we can all just be ourselves basically yeah and i i think it what i think it really starts with too is creating that representation for others and so like you were saying someone was on your podcast and saw you being yourself and said, oh my God, like maybe I could do that. Like look at that person being the way that I may, maybe I see myself that way and I've never seen someone like me. I I had an Instagram for a long time, I had a little YouTube and it was fat girl lifts because I'm a thick girl in the gym. And people would regularly message me and say, I've never seen someone with my body type lifting weights. I've only ever seen them on cardio equipment. And so because I've seen you lifting, I decided to go try it and it was so much fun. And I really like, I found myself through weightlifting and Olympic lifting and, and strong women's and like such um such a large part of me real, like just being at peace with myself came from those outlets. So I was like, that's so awesome. And I, I didn't until recently think about how that also translates to the work world. It's same thing with getting women in more leadership positions. If the oh, yeah. only women on your executive team are in HR and marketing, maybe, like that's going to be difficult if you're a female engineer. I worked at a tech company. Well, I've worked at many tech companies. One of them, there was a female engineer, nicest person, and she was really good friends. I was running marketing. She was really good friends with some of the marketers there. And the CTO thought that she was on the marketing team. And so one of the engineering memes was like, oh, hey, what are you doing here? And she was the only female engineer on staff. And that wears on you. She like, was, she almost quit. She was devastated. No kidding. Devastated. Because the CTO doesn't know who you are. And it's not that big right. of a company. And he thinks you're on marketing. Mm-hmm. Like, just based devastated. On, yeah. So obviously isn't paying attention, but also yeah. like value and respect and all yeah. these things. And that's such a, I am not an engineer. I do obviously I'm in marketing, but that is, I've had at least two friends who are in that kind of engineer tech space who get out of it because it's too much to ask of people to be the person who's breaking the mold. Like yeah. that's not for everybody, but I agree. if you are the person who can do that, like feel empowered to be loud about it. And I think it's, it's tricky to not want to feel like you are the spokesperson for all female engineers or for all whatever whatever bucket you're putting yourself in when you're the when you're the only of any category 
yeah, you almost by default become. And really, I think the, the work needs to be done by people who are already in leadership and in those positions to say, like, to advocate for yeah. their employees. Sure. Oh, yeah. I had an employee who would speak, she would say words certain ways. Like, she was a first generation student. Like, she was first generation in the U, not student. Like, we're at college. She was first generation in the US. She would say things okay. a certain way. She had a certain background. And so people were like, oh, you know, you really need to like speak with, with them on how they articulate. I'm like, no, Mm-mm. no, sure because don't. there's nothing wrong. Like you understand the message of what they're saying. You can have a conversation. They're doing great work. They don't need to change the way in which they're speaking to make you feel more comfortable and happy. And so I think it's, it's people standing up and saying, hey, like, no, I'm not, I'm not going to ask them to cover their tattoos. I'm not going to tell them that they would get further if they had like a natural colored hair when half of the people that are blonde aren't really blonde what a great point you know i'm not gonna i'm not gonna tell them that they need to change i'm gonna maybe tell them like hey you're gonna run into a bias around this and here's what it is and if people think it then like it's not the right place for you if your job is gonna let you go because you don't look like corporate enough it's not the job for you You yeah that actually has guided me mentally I've luckily not had like not run into it but like it's a bit of that so I'm at a moment in my life where I'm gonna start looking for my next thing and that is it's like it's so easy for your brain to slip into well what if this like what if they don't like blah about me and that just kind of has to be the answer I'm really really fortunate and really privileged to be in a spot where I can say I don't mind that that's not the right spot for me but I've just been fortunate enough to see that if it's gonna if that is something that the company is going to push back on or if they don't have a women forward or like maternity leave or sorry family leave actually watch me catch myself um is like that's it's not a fit it's not gonna work you're gonna be pushing against that all the time and that's I think too we see a lot of Gen Z specifically we'll see a lot of news about Gen Z sticking to their guns a lot better than people before they are fearless (laughs) they're a little terrifying sometimes but they're fearless within it i think the expectation of from an employer today is totally different than it was when like you and i were in our youths oh yeah how many pencil skirts did you own oh my god oh my god (laughs) oh my god I own zero. Like, I just realized this the other day. I don't have a single pencil skirt anymore. I don't wear pants. Okay. <laughs> I wear athleisure wear. And there I have go. like these universal standard big ass super comfy dresses that I wear with shorts underneath. There I don't go. own jeans. I did buy actually a pink suit because I have some speaking engagements. But also that I'm going to rock a pink suit. Right. Where was that in the early 2000s? And so it I wasn't. think when people are coming in and they're saying no, like, I'm a human being person. I'm not working. I'm not living to work. I am a whole person and I'm looking for a job that fits my lifestyle. And what I demand from it is I want X, Y, and Z. I want to come into a company with good health insurance. If you don't have 401k matching, I don't want to talk to you. If you don't offer, I've, I've seen more companies that are offering uh, not just good maternity leave, but paternity and maternity leave that are unified because really like being a parent takes more than one person that shit is hard oh my god uh, i, I lived it, in europe for four years oh. and coming back into i was so mad that we decided to yeah. not have kids until we came back here but that's a different yeah. story too 
I have an agency and I am, I don't have it figured out exactly yet because there's not a model for it. But my plan as an agency owner is to do profit sharing. I don't need to add on. I see a lot of agencies add on 80, 90% margins on their estimates. I don't need to do that. I want to have a company where I can do the work that I love and I can build a company so that my employees can do the work that they love. And working 30 hours a week as full-time, not 40 hours a week, and having flexibility and unlimited PTO and all those uh, benefits. And then at the end of the year, our goal is just to keep running. So we don't need to be making a million dollars a year in profit. So doing profit sharing so everyone can live a good life. And I've told people this, and they're like, that's crazy. Like, that's not crazy. And I'm a capitalist, okay? I do love capitalism. But I think like that, that is how we should be approaching it. Like our, we shouldn't be sacrificing ourselves and our health and our, our mental health and our identities and who we are as people to fit into the mold of this company that frankly doesn't give a fuck about you. Like, especially with the layoffs, they don't care. No one's retiring from a company anymore. They're not, especially not in tech, you know? Well, and I feel like this is what the missing piece is right now when it comes to this, just because it's, it's very close to my heart at this exact moment. But I was sharing with a former colleague about like, because he's just like a little bit younger than I am when it comes to like where he is in his career. It just hasn't gone through this as many times. And what I realized or the way I'm framing it is that we're just happen to be coming of career age in a very selfish moment in time. You have to take care of your own the way that the businesses are taking care of like their quote unquote number one. So the business is going to watch out for the business and you got to watch out for you. But I think based on even like everything you just said, it's like what we want is loyalty. And the companies that figure that out first, the ones that say, hey, can we figure out a way to keep you here because you're doing good work? And I'm talking like grand scope of things, right? Like the sooner we can get back to that more, um, it's it for tat, like, um, what's the word? It's like you're growing together. It's, it's symbiotic. Yeah. Yeah, there you yeah. go. Yeah. And just yeah, like, you're not offering your employees yeah. free lunch because you never want them to leave your office. You're right. you're helping them with lunch because they're going to be there. They're doing good work and you're maybe giving them leftovers to take home. Like, yeah, it's, it's wanting it's being invested in each other's success and growing together. Yeah. And I want to say then, I didn't I didn't hear Rand Fishkin say this. I saw someone on LinkedIn quote Rand Fishkin saying this. So that's perhaps the most. <laughs> It's like a Michael Scott quoting Michael Scott quoting Wayne Gretzky here. It's definitely like the most cliche 2023 professional example you're going to get on this particular uh, conversation. But it was just like he was just talking about how I think a lot of what happened in tech right now specifically is that everybody wanted to grow super heck and fast. And they did with money or with something or like with too short of a view of things where it's like we need to post a good quarter, a good year. Yeah. And what the idea then I think that Rand said, which I should really verify, is that <laughs> we'll find it. We'll insert it so we can also well, see how close it thank is. Thank you. Jesus. Um, <laughs> it's like... Instead of trying to grow so fast, like grow sustainably, grow in a way that you know you'll be there next year. No one wants to be sustainable. No one wants that because it'll lower their valuation. Yeah, but like we were saying, all you want is to live your life and do something you enjoy and get enough money that you don't feel like you're uh, on the edge, right? And that's, I think, underrated. So I was talking to a woman who, uh, who, amazing, she's 
retired and now advises like early stage companies and she's fantastic. But I was talking to her and she's like, you know what? No one ever tells kids these days. Um, and kids these days is also, I think my favorite phrase now, cause I'm just really embracing like the mid thirties life. She's <laughs> like, yeah, you know, that- no one ever talks to you about pension funds and retirement. No one ever yeah. tells you that when you're working for 10 years, 20 to 30, if you work at a company with a retirement and then you go work at companies without retirement funds, you're setting yourself up for success. She's like, no one talks to you about, it. and then you retire. And then you realize I don't have enough to retire on because I've worked at tech companies my entire career that. And I, I say this going from early 2010s tech to now, when you're in an early stage company with founders who don't have kids, your cost of spousal health insurance is going to be astronomic because they're buying insurance for themselves. They're saying, we're all single. We don't need spousal. We don't need kids. When you work at companies where people are thinking about retirement, they're offering pensions, they're offering retirement funds. Not a lot of them do. And you get to this point where you're like, oh my God, I've been looking short term for so long. And now my short term is really, really hard. Like, shit, I wish I would have gone to work for a company that actually had a retirement fund that I could have vested into. Yeah. And no one talks about that. You know, they they want like, go work at a FANG company and then start your own company that you're going to get acquired and everyone's going for acquisition, right? You're also not building stuff to last. It's, um, and I, I think, what I think is really interesting is a lot of these tech companies, they promote authenticity, right? And they want you to show up as your true self, but they want something really, really specific. And if you don't fit into that, then you're not going to fit in. And so when you are your true self, you're almost penalized for it. And what if you don't want to be yourself? Like I've had coworkers that I didn't know shit about. No one knew where they lived. No one knew what they did. They were just, they, they didn't want to share any of it. They're like, I'm here to work. Like, I'm happy to be cordial and be friendly, but I don't want to make friends. I just want to work. I don't want you to know about my life. Yeah. You know, they need a spot Which too. Is, yeah. And I think that's what we're saying overall is that there's there just shouldn't be that much of an expectation put on you to do anything you don't want to do. Yeah. And you should, and kind of inversely, you should feel free to act whatever feels most comfortable. Yeah. And kind of in whatever way that that needs to be before it starts to affect your work. Like if it starts to affect your work, that's different. Let's have a conversation. But I don't think it's ruling anything out. And I think there's a lot of room for people to just relax the reins on what is and isn't okay. Yeah. I will say if your true self means that you microwave fish for lunch, don't bring your true self. (laughs) Find remote work. You need to, you need to suppress that. Yeah. You to hide that feature for. Yeah. I just remember yeah. the guy who um we were pretty sure that he had another job that he didn't tell us about. And he would come into work at like 2 p.m. and then he'd work to like 8 or 10. And every day at about 5 30, 6 o'clock, because the office was pretty empty except for a couple of us, he would microwave fish for dinner every day. And it was white every fish. Every day. And we're no. like, what are you like, why? And he's like, My wife makes it, it's really healthy and good. And he's like, I know people don't like it, but he would do. And then he would sit in like the main conference room that was right by the front smell. and eat. Yeah. And so you come the next day and it's like, why does it smell like fish in here? And everyone who came in a little early and would leave by like four or five, they wouldn't know what was happening. They just thought the, yeah, like maybe a janitor smelled like fish because it was there just in the morning. Waft. Yeah. Because they never saw microwave it. Oh so that's the only exception to this authenticity rule is like no microwaving fish. No microwaving fish. Yeah. I would completely agree. I am guilty of having one time monopolize the microwave for five minutes to cook a sweet potato. And then I decided that that is overstepping some bounds as well. You know, like the, the office microwave is for 30 second one minute yeah. at a time. Yeah, got to keep it short. 
Yeah. yeah. Nice space, but not time on the microwave. Yeah. I think as employees, you're, as human beings, your job is to show up and be yourself and give people the opportunity to yeah. be friends with you and love you and enjoy you. And if not, like that's on them. And as managers, I think we have a massive responsibility to, to the kids coming in and to anyone in the workplace that we're managing or that's on different teams in general, as leaders in a company, we have a responsibility to ensure that employees have a safe space to be themselves and that we're, we're stepping in. If, if an executive, like if I got feedback once, um, cause I would always circulate feedback internally for all of my employees and the feedback for the guys was all like really tactical and, you know, very much focused on their job. And the feedback for some of the women was like too flighty, like too all over the place. I'm like, give, give me examples. Like she, she gets too excited. What, what do you mean she gets too excited? Like she's just too energetic. Not telling her not to be excited. Like, right. I'm sorry if she likes her work. Right. Like that's not feedback. And so I think pushing back and challenging people on is your feedback actually actual feedback or are you like i absolutely hate it i will go on a soapbox the day i die that executive presence is a bucket term for biases you have when you say someone lacks executive presence but you can't define what it is you can't pinpoint what it is it's because you don't want to say what it is like I have a, a really close friend who's Indian who's been in the U.S. for about 20 years, and he gets present. He gets feedback on his executive executive presence and his presentation skills pretty regularly. And what it really comes down to is when he started working on his, uh, like his dictation, dictation and yeah. his accent and reducing his accent, he got better feedback on his presentation skills. It's like which well, that's just like sucks. That sucks. And it also shows how fragile a lot of those egos are. I would say, you know, after someone says 16 words, whether or not they they know their shit. And as an executive, especially, you will respect an executive who gets in there and starts talking things that make sense, that are not fluffy, that are not like total just executive nonsense, frankly like you'll trust someone so it's like your friend i'm sure is just up you know i'm sure he was like saying all the right things he knows his job that's why he's an executive and so to like to get so bogged down in that detail because you don't like yeah total bias is short-sighted kind of taking that circle sorry speaks two languages and you speak one right like can we can we start seeing accents as a sign of intelligence please instead of the opposite way yeah. That would be incredible. It's, yeah. it's poopy, but it's super poopy. <laughs> That's um, super poopy stamp. <laughs> Make stickers. That's you right. Just put an emoji out. Listen, you're being super poopy right now, bro. Yeah. You should, uh... Sometimes I think I do kind of wonder if it needs to just be that simple sometimes because I think what we see on social media to be an ally, you have to have like the perfect words and the perfect like little speech put out and put together to pull them aside and say, Hey, I noticed that you are your unchecked biases are showing and could we talk about this? And what it kind of needs to be is a little bit of like pulled to the side and say, you got a poopy stamp today. Yeah. Yeah. Here's what I saw. And it's I think it's also uh, I don't want to say calling out a negative sense, but like proactively advocating for your employees. I had an employee. I've had many employees with what I'm going to say is like non stereotypical English names. And so when we would go on calls with vendors for the first time, 
I would introduce them and repeat their name multiple times so that the vendor knew how to pronounce it. So they weren't sitting there and in, in, they weren't sitting there having to experience like their name being pronounced wrong again for the 10th time or employees who would uh, have have their their name and they would be like, but you can call me like cat or you can call me Pat or like something short. It's like, no, we're going to use your name <laughs> like you don't have to do that. And so I had one where I was like, no, like, like, let's you like help me learn how to pronounce your name properly. And then I will get everyone else to so, like, let's talk about it. And they're like, it's the first time that anyone's actually said my name at work. Yeah. And yeah. it was like, but it, it can mean a lot, you know? Right. You don't one have to. hack that I've started trying to remember to do when I come across a name I haven't heard or seen before is Google it. How to pronounce yeah. name. Because there, I've yet to find one that's not there. Yeah. And it's at least a really good starting point. And I will try to then approach it and like apologetically say, I'm going to double check that this is how you say it. Like, please, this is your moment to correct me. But it means a lot to people. There's a, uh, in one of those sessions that I was running before, there's a couple of people from India who joined and I'm like, okay, tell me how to say it. And I would repeat it back correctly. And yeah. I, one guy was like, that's the first time anyone has said it because i would remember then the next time that he showed up and he said that was the first time someone in the u.s remembered and pronounced it correctly like without having to be corrected yeah the second i time. think i'm not a i'm not a, a dei dei expert by any means but i think that's what makes a big difference is the little things like asking someone their pronouns asking someone i did used to work with a lot of um i had a lot of coworkers in ireland and there's some real uh, Irish names that very much were challenging for me. And so I got, I think, kind of accustomed to like, can you like, I'm from the US, you know, I'd like play stupid because I was stupid with how to pronounce it. But asking someone like, what's like, is this the right way to pronounce your name? Is this what you like to be called? Like, what are your preferred pronouns? You know, just, I think, taking an interest in what people in those things that can make people unique too, and showing that like, you're, you're there to and then not making a big deal out of it, you know? That deserves like a big bell, ding, ding, ding. Yeah. It's like, I'm just like, instead of repeating how cool you are that you got their name right every time, which I'm guilty of having, like, at first I would do this to be like, oh, I said it right again. It's like, oh, just as bad as saying it wrong. So don't like, just, it becomes normal. And then all the white people yeah. around you can say, okay, that's the normal thing. And she's being cool about it. So I can be cool about it. And it's definitely a ripple effect. So yeah, totally. People got, I was talking to someone once, uh, I was at a bar, I think, or some group event with a person who I'm not friends with. <laughs> and they were upset about how they had to start putting pronouns in their email. And I was like, well, who cares? It takes you a second or two. It's not that big of a deal. And for someone who maybe isn't comfortable sharing those, it normalizes sharing it. It normalizes the conversation. You know, it's normalizing this thing that for them might be really, really uncomfortable. It makes them not alone with it. Yeah. So who cares? And as someone, I go by Jess, which typically is sure. a female name. Uh, but there have been many times where I've met men named Jess who are like, oh, man, everyone always thinks I'm a chick. And it was like, man, like, think about if you had your pronouns. Like, people just, they would know how to address you and you wouldn't get called she. And so even though you're someone who like maybe like cisgendered, it can still help you in your experience in life. So now we're How just, dare we're just... we do something very simple on an yeah. individual level to help the greater good? How oh my dare God. you suggest these things? Shocking. 
Right. Care I can't about believe people? it. Want them to like feel comfortable being themselves. I can't. What? I don't know that I can stand for this. Let's yeah. just big. It's not how we do things. Stinks. Let's In write our company an op-ed on LinkedIn. Right. Let's write up a whole seven paragraph long LinkedIn post about how you don't want to do it when it could have just taken you three seconds to update my, it. Get on what I it. think might be my favorite, maybe not favorite's the right word. Something I find myself doing regularly on Facebook is I think people often will do things that have that are 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 racist or sexist or whatever is, and they don't always realize it too when they say it. And so what happens often is people will talk about stupid baby names and they'll be like, look at these like weird spellings and like, why are there commas in the middle of them? Like, actually, you're that's that is rooted in racism. Your like rejection of commas in a name is rooted in racism. And then I'll Do like, you mean share, apostrophes? like, that's what I mean. Oh, my God. I said, yeah, I'm an apostrophe. Thank you okay. so much. <laughs> I wasn't just like. I wrong don't. part of con- wrong part. Um, <laughs> now you're I, spelling it and punctuating it wrong. No. I know, Gr- but grammar and right. but it's ultimately like a lot of the stuff we do, we might not realize our microaggressions, and so calling them out and challenging people on them. When people complain about not liking American food too, like a lot of um, traditional American food, uh, it, you know, listen, Betty Ross didn't have a cookbook. Betty Ross yeah. wasn't wasn't sweating her took us off making right. apple pie she wasn't making mac and cheese a lot of what we attribute to be american food is food that was created by enslaved persons who were working as chefs who were doing the best they could with what they had and made phenomenal dishes mm-hmm. but we don't always think about those things no there's there's a lot to think about yeah so we were working with a customer who said um they're actually getting rid of the terminology of like slave and master within their uh their nomenclatures yeah. their tech stack yeah so it's like it i can't remember what it moved over to unfortunately um but it's something where it's like hey we understood this is not okay and so our new nomenclature is this and this dependent i think is what it's like it's this and it's this we did that at when i was at ns1 we went through and did that for everything the api took a lot longer to update i don't actually know if they finished updating it but that was a massive undertaking and it was a really important project and we almost anticipated at least some people to be like, this seems ridiculous and unnecessary because there's always someone who doesn't like any initiative to make people feel better about things. No one, from my recollection, no one had negative feedback. They were like, oh yeah, this makes sense. It's definitely much more clear also to have an inclusion list and an exclusion list instead of a whitelist, blacklist with it. But it's little things like that I think can make a really big difference. I well, heard... and I think like what you were saying earlier, sorry to talk over you, oh, is good. like, um, it's, it feels like a little thing when you see it on paper, but that does actually a master big under, it feels like a little thing on paper, but that's actually a huge undertaking yeah. when you think of all the code that you might have to rewrite all of the places yes. where this shows up. Like it is actually really acknowledging that even though this feels like a little thing, it is a microaggression and we are taking a big step to like, it is important enough for us to redo a lot of work to yeah. get this out of here, to I really think dig it at, out. NS1, it was like a four-month project. And yeah. it was the technical content team, the marketing team, because a lot of this stuff is also referenced on our yeah. website, or we might include snippets from our help center. 
and like multiple from the engineering team just to go through and identify all the instances in which the words are being used and then decide upon the replacement word for it and then go through and make all the updates. It was a multi-month project. It was a massive project. That to me is what I hope people who might have otherwise argued against it see. It's like, yes, that is to me evidence of exactly how important it is. Is not, It wasn't just like a find and replace in a Word document. It was a four-month undertaking where you're paying people to do this because it is important. Yeah, and no one's talking about it externally, you know? Yeah. No one's in there like, give us a prize. Right. We, we changed our... For my agency, actually, I have a like an MSA, like a master service agreement. And I went through an update and I was sitting there, I was like, oh, I need to change that name. Even though, like, I don't... I don't no one talked to me about it, but I was like, okay, we got to change this to just like the, the service agreement. So moral of the story is give people poopy stickers when they're being poopy. Yeah. Advocate for your friends and coworkers and such who want to be themselves, but not feel comfortable or safe, you know, create that space for them. And then I think number three is be the, be the example for someone else, be the model you know, show up as yourself and others will feel more comfortable hopefully showing up as their true selves. Unless you microwave fish. Again, fish microwavers, <laughs> not allowed to be yourself. That is, I do feel external to your internal self though. Like, yeah. I don't know that you can really claim, oh, uh, never mind. Rule is, <laughs> I was about to say you can't claim that food is part of you and that's absolutely not true. But yeah. it's like, I think you could microwave chicken tomorrow. Yeah, you could do chicken. I mean, or but, I think, I mean, listen, I don't know a lot about fish and how to prepare it, but, you know, you just know just microwave fish in the office. Just don't microwave fish in the no. office. It's That's true. That's the fourth but, takeaway. Takeaway 3A, right. no 3A. fish at all. Be, you're welcome to be yourself for as many levels as possible. However, the line is drawn at microwaving fish. Yes, 100%. Well, Helen, thank you so much for joining today. We'll put links in the show notes below to our LinkedIn's, all those good stuff. Um, if you're listening on the podcast and you want to check out the video, go over to YouTube. If you're watching on the YouTube, you already watched the video. So like and share, comment <laughs> below. <laughs> Yay. See you guys for the next episode. Pew, pew. Bye, pew.